if the population is happy to trust Guernsey and Jersey with each other's strategic assets, then the cheapest option is to go from St Peterport down under Jerburg Town Left, go to Jersey Airport and then on to St Helier. Welcome to the Bailiwick Express podcast. My name is Aaron Carpenter. Each week we'll shine a light on topics from across the Bailiwick. The format will change from week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we tackle some of the most important issues we face in the Bailiwick. The idea of a fixed link between Guernsey and Jersey is a matter of when, not if, according to a Guernsey actuary. Martin Dorry says an underwater tunnel linking the islands is inevitable and with borrowing rates low, now is the perfect time to engage a 2.6 billion project that he says could be completed in six years and become profitable within 30. So how would it work? What do private investors need from the Channel Island governments? And how much public money would be needed to kick-start the feasibility study? We invited Martin to the studio to drill down into his plans. And I'm joined this morning by Martin Dorry, Investment Actuary, who is the, the brains behind the idea for a underwater tunnel to first to Jersey and then latterly, hopefully, to France. If you could tell me, Mark, first of all, um, where did this idea come from? Yeah, so I was for for a couple of years president of the Guernsey Chamber of Commerce, fantastic organisation, and a lot of the members were coming up to me and saying, "Martin, what are you going to do about connectivity?" And it was like, "Do you mean digital connectivity or physical connectivity?" And the answer was physical connectivity. How are we going to make Guernsey better connected? So we started off with a blank sheet of paper a bit like a Richard Scarry cartoon. I don't know if you read them when you were a kid. And you know, what are all the ways you could go from Guernsey to Jersey? You could go, for example, can you go by roller skates? No. <laughs> can you go by hang glider? Nope. Can, you know, can you go by cable car? Possibly. But we worked out that you need a big mountain on Guernsey <laughs> and Jersey to make that happen. Uh, so that's a no. Uh, we then looked at things like airships, and we thought, well, that's possible because they're about a tenth of the cost to run compared to a normal aircraft um, but in discussions with uh, Zeppelin NT we, we worked out that actually the development cost to get them to work in uh, inclement weather was just too much so that's a no. We then looked at things like seaplanes and actually has someone got a design for an ocean going seaplane and the answer is yes. So we got excited by that but then you know we needed 500 million pounds to get that idea off the ground but one of the other ideas that was kicking around to solve the connectivity problem was in fact um, Obviously, you can make the runway longer, you can spend more on ships. But there was this idea about having a fixed link. Could you have a bridge or a tunnel? So we researched it and we got in contact with this amazing guy called Stephen Witham at um, Ramble, based in Copenhagen. And uh, he's been super supportive and helped us with our mathematics and the engineering calculations. And um, we've concluded that actually a, a tunnel um, that goes under the seabed... So you might look at it as being under sea, but some people think that means it lies on the seabed. But actually, we've looked at lying one on the seabed, but this is actually one under the seabed. It's probably the most viable way of doing it through the sandstone and granite yeah. on the islands. And so you really did start with an outcome that you wanted to achieve. Um, and I think sometimes the conversation on Guernsey can be about working with our limited infrastructure, the island nature which makes it difficult for commercial levels of travel. Um, so you really did start with the ground up oh yeah um there's a particular type of thinking which is when you look at an opportunity set 
Yeah. So quite often we start off with where we are and we generate ideas from where we are. But actually, if you want to do proper what's called ten times improvement in thinking, you have to go back to first principles and start again. And that means really thinking about everything. And uh, we were really buoyed up, actually, when we looked at the work they were doing in the Faroe Islands and how they managed to connect all their islands together in the Faroe Islands with these undersea tunnels. We, and we asked the question, actually, without working in, in Guernsey and Jersey? And you know, no one can say definitely, definitely yes, but at the moment the indications are yes. And how did that work from an investor's perspective in the Faroe Islands? Yeah, so what, <laughs> there, was, there was about three steps that happened. One is they'd started burrowing through, through their mountains on land. Then they started doing quite small undersea tunnels, uh, which proved to be very, very successful. And then they got thinking, can we build longer undersea tunnels? And there's one project which has just been completed, which I think is the perfect proxy for us. What they did is a municipal government said, we're going to do a little study. Um, it cost them, I think, about a, a million pounds. And they said, can we you know, build a, build a tunnel to join these two places together? And they said, look, we think so, yes. Then they got more interest from the sort of the central government of the Faroe Islands. They said, yeah, OK, in that case, let's move this forward. And the first thing they did was they set up a tunnel corporation. This was like a development corporation, but specifically around a tunnel. Yeah. Then they gave it seed funding. And the first thing they did was they put the laws in place and the legal structures to support the development of a tunnel joining these two islands together. Um, then they um, put some funding, which formed, if you like, the, the capital of the... Of the, of the tunnel corporation and then they conducted the feasibility studies and the feasibility studies said okay you could do it this way but not that way great we found a way we can build a tunnel um, and then they went to the private sector and they said Ra- raise us the money as cheaply as you can to build this project yeah. um, and the private sector came up with with between 90 and 95% of the cash uh, to actually build the project in fact it was finished in December and it's now open to business so that's how you would envision it working in the Channel Islands as well? Yeah, I mean, remember, there's many ways of, of, of getting there. But we've spoken to a number of private sector funders, and they said, look, we're, we're super happy to support the project, um, but we need some commitments from government. Uh, then we can, you know, th- th- we can make anything happen. Yeah. Um, my concern, which will be the same for both the population of Guernsey and Jersey, is to make sure that everyone gets value for money and that we're not locked into some long-term, um, you know, for example, if you work with other parts of the world, not naming any countries in particular, who do a lot of infrastructure support around the globe, there's often strings attached. We don't want strings attached. No. We just want to work with the highest levels of trust and we do need to be working with people who we, as a population, trust um, to make the tunnel happen. So what do you need from the Ireland's respective governments to make this feasible um, and to I, get investors on board? Yeah, to get investors on board. So uh, one of the things the Faroe government did is look, we're not going to guarantee cash amounts, but what we will guarantee is passenger numbers. And um, in fact, one of the things Rambo got involved with was actually modelling the passenger numbers uh, for the ferry uh, tunnels. Um, so... I mean, you could go down the passenger route, but you could also go down the financial guarantee route, um, and then the money will be forthcoming. But I would rather see Guernsey and Jersey say, look, we're, we're happy to engage with this project. Um, we'll put a team of resources together. We'll put a 
Tunnel Corporation in place. Um, I think I think we could get there if we had match funding for the feasibility study. So if you said Guernsey and Jersey put like one pound each in the pot, and the private sector put two pounds in the pot, I think we'd probably get there. Yeah. I think I think that would I think that would do it. And the scale is something that we're perhaps not familiar with. So, what do you think a feasibility study would cost? Um, I think the feasibility study will cost anywhere between five and ten million, uh, in all honesty. Um, but that will create a stack of paper, uh, which is then sufficient to make the rest of the project happen. There's a lot of questions. For example, what do the islands want? You know, what would best meet our needs? And that's a public engagement exercise. Um, some things are very, very important to the populations on Guernsey and Jersey, and some things aren't. We have to figure out actually what those key things are and actually where that intersects with commercial viability. Yeah, because transport connectivity has is, is been on the, the radar, some might say the back burner, for a number of years now. How do you think the states of Guernsey in particular backing this project, or at least putting some kind of some weight and seriousness behind it, would impact Orini potentially with the Jersey route? Yeah. So, um, you know, for a lot of people in Guernsey, a, an airport is part of our sovereign assets. Losing an airport is super important to them. So, you know, we've come at this and say, look, you know, we're assuming that the airport in Guernsey will be there. Uh, we're going to assume that the port in Jersey will be there. But I would imagine if the islands can develop trust with each other, and that they have been able to work through all the, 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 the wrinkles, I think there would be economies of scale from yeah. from sharing ports and airports. I mean, Guernsey's got a fantastic deep water port. Um, and I think if if we could share an airport, um, we'd have more passengers going on that airport than you would find, for example, in Southampton. Um, and Southampton has weekly flights to America. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had weekly flights to New York from a shared Channel Islands airport? Now, you're not going to have that with each airport individually hmm. but put them together you've got regular flights to um, Europe um, but also the game actually isn't shared airports or shared ports the game really is to get people moving between the islands quickly and efficiently and over the long term you tend to find half of a population commutes into work um, you know half of people who work in London actually commuted there same in Bristol um, you know the same in Paris <laughs> Look, look all the way around the world, generally people commute to work and we get massive productivity gains just from people zipping in from St Helier to St Peterport backwards and forwards. Think about it in terms of hospitals as well. We've got two great hospitals in Guernsey and Jersey but actually if you had the, uh, you know, keep the A&E where, <laughs> where they are but had specialised um, operations happening in Guernsey and Jersey we could do much more stuff actually on island. So the, the Guernsey-Jersey link is, is clearly important. Would that work without France being involved? As far as I can tell, if it's just Guernsey and Jersey, um, we would need, obviously, support from the Crown because it involves a seabed. But there will all, all, almost certainly be some discussions with, with the French as well. Um, we'd like, really, to go on to France, ultimately. Uh, I, I mean, the mass is pointing us very much into um, the Cotentin Peninsula, um, into Coutanche, that looks like it would be the the entry port uh, into France. Um, but I think realistically, we should be able to do Guernsey and Jersey without having difficult politics. We just need to want it, and it is a large amount of money. Um, we think it might cost about, if you like, um, I'm saying two point six billion. But the thing is, costs are coming down. 
and in fact the cost could be a lot less than that they might be a little bit more but it's you know we may find um for example that using you know modern mining techniques there's lots of tunnel boring machines currently being well coming off the the research and development uh, arms of factories which, which are for example if you wanted to dig the tunnel between Guernsey and Jersey using current technology it would take about two years to dig and one year to fit out um, some of the tunnel boring machines for example that Elon Musk has you know got in his factory is reportedly digging at 10 times that rate so you could be talking six months to dig a tunnel now we don't know how much of that is fact and, fact and fiction but we know for a fact that using current technology using what we know about the sandstone between the islands and the granite on the islands that would be about two years to, to dig the whole thing and one year to fit out and the costs you know plan for 2.6 billion but what we really want to do is get it much less than that there's going to be a massive public interest as we discuss these plans further is it important to get that exposure to kind of break the the taboo almost around speaking about projects of this scale because Guernsey isn't necessarily renowned for um you know kind of culture defining yeah revolutionary projects well that's that's become what people say today and I said to you look if I was going to dig a whole bunch of uh holes in our granite um, let's call it the coring industry <laughs> you'll find these massive holes <laughs> throughout the channel lines and I'd say it's it's actually equivalent to restarting the quarrying industry. I mean, that's the best analogy. And if you looked at the volume of dirt that's been dug out of Guernsey, there's probably more than is required to dig a tunnel uh, from... Uh, and I, I include, include Alderney in that as well, because there's been lots of quarrying there. The, the way to think about it is, one, is that borrowing rates are very, very cheap, particularly if you link it to inflation. And we think it's actually an ideal time to get funding to build the tunnel right now because uh, the cost of money is very, very cheap. And in fact, we could do it cheaper than they built their tunnels in the Faroe Islands. Mm. And we've got um, you know, well over double the GDP, the Faroe Islands, and much more than double the, you know, the combined population of Guernsey and Jersey is about 180,000. We think the key numbers are to try and get a £15 journey to Jersey, ideally down to £11. And I think if we're talking about that price point, it will be very successful. The key thing that's going to bring the cost down is the use of trains rather than having a car tunnel. It's actually not physically, financially, it's not nowhere going to be near in scope to have a car tunnel because you'll need to control the traffic on Guernsey and Jersey. You'll, it, it would there's, there would be actually quite a lot of volume. You'd need sort of two lanes of traffic yeah. on, on either side, and if, the, the width of the tunnel would need to be huge. You know, if the costs go up, not, not double, you know, not as a square. But actually, it's a cube, <laughs> and that means it's just not going to be viable. We've got to have a, a very smart train, and, and one of the great pieces of technology that's happened recently is this thing called a bridging train. It's a battery-powered train. For any sort of geeks listening, you know, go look up the the Talent Three Bombardier train. It's it's a bridging train. It's it's got a pack of batteries on board, and that will do. You know, they supply them. We've spoken to Bombardier. They supply them in sort of 120 mile an hour variants. So you can have a battery power train. It'll do the, the, the distance in 15 minutes. And um, that's one example. And there are many out there. No. In, our, in our calculations of 2.6 billion, we've actually assumed the track will be electrified. So you can knock, <laughs> you know, you, you can knock money off the electrification of the track. Which, again, there are all these technological developments which are just bringing the cost down, 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 and down. And these are the kind of issues 
that you would flesh out through a feasibility study. Uh, absolutely right, yeah. And then you could draw up all of the um, kind of like-for-like -like comparisons between different models, different ways of doing it, yeah. and that would help achieve your, if you don't mind calling it this, tunnel vision. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are, there, are many, there are many ways of doing this, and for those people who are concerned about strategic assets and sovereignty, those people will only be satisfied by having a shared, if you like, island built from the spoil. Um, if the population is happy to trust Guernsey and Jersey with each other's strategic assets, then the cheapest option is to go from St. Peterport down under Gerberg, turn left, go to Jersey Airport and then on to St. Helier. And that would mean effectively 10 minutes from St. Peterport to Jersey Airport. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. So what would this look like? Um, what, what's the customer experience? Okay, so the first thing, if we're going to go 10 years in the future, you've got to forget everything that we know about transport today. That's because when you're planning for big infrastructure projects, you don't build it around how we do things today. You've got to build it around how people are going to be doing things in 10 years' time. It's very likely, and this is how it's priced into the market, that we will have driverless cars in five years' time. Very, very likely. It's, you know, people are in their, their testing phases of the technology, and they haven't, they've been testing it for about five years. Um, and we think that... The first person to market with a driverless car will probably wipe the floor clean. And at the moment, it looks like it's going to be Tesla, but it could easily be Volkswagen. And critical mass will be important, won't it? Mm. Because you'll need a certain number of passengers to make it commercially viable to start getting a return on investment. Absolutely right. The first thing is demand. How many people will want to use the tunnel? All the evidence that we've looked at so far is that speed is the biggest determinant of demand. And in the Faroe Islands... Everywhere that they've replaced a ferry service with a car journey, they've had a tenfold uplift in people using that journey. And then about 7% increase thereafter. So if you just looked at that model, you'd look at, um, for, it'll go from 500 people travelling between the islands a day to 5,000, uh, and then 7% growth thereafter. So, so that's the sort of the basic model. Um, the other way you can look at it is how many people travel in and out of St. Peterport on a, on a, on a road um, if you like a minor road into St Peterport probably has about 12,000 movements a day. A big road like Glatton Esplanade uh, probably has about 24,000 movements a day. It's likely that you will see that level of movements long term on a critical piece of infrastructure like a train. I would also point out that if, you, if every tourist coming into Guernsey and Jersey used the train, you'll get 3,000 movements just from that. But I do think the critical number to make the thing work is probably going to be around the 3,000 movements uh, a day level. That, at that point, it's washing its face. Uh, once you get to 5,000 movements, it's actually paying down capital. Um, and the key thing, speed. If it's quick and it's convenient, you can expect the numbers to go up. And obviously, if you can develop a working uh, population that's commuting, you've got... Somewhere in the region of, say, fifty to 60,000 people, you could be looking at half of those people actually using the train every day. But that's not going to be... That, that won't be for 10 years. What is the next step for this for you? Um, you've mentioned government. You mentioned that you need both governments to take this seriously. What needs to happen now? And what has your engagement with the governments been like today? So, I mean, there's a there's sort of a, if you like, a sort of a private part to that, which is, um, you know, we, we are reaching out to government in Guernsey and reaching out to governments in Jersey. And you know, we're, we're hopeful that will you know, generate some interest from both governments. And what's the nature of, of what you're looking for? Is it a, a commitment to explore it or to directly fund a feasibility study, part fund a feasibility yeah. study? What is it that you, you need 
yeah, from governments. So what we need is for government to allocate resource to support the project. That that will mean a person um, with a with a role and a mandate supported by government, supported by law, to take to take the um, investigations forward. And the important thing is that you can pull out at any moment. It looks like it's not going to work. The last thing you want to do is actually fully commit yourself to something and you think, actually, no, this is a deal-breaker. However, bizarrely, everything we've looked at looks like we've got perfect tunnelling ground, both in terms of the hard rock on the islands, which is super cheap, actually. It's the cheapest to, to, to dig, is, is, the, is the hard rock on Guernsey and Jersey. The expensive bit is the, the sandstone between the islands, which will probably require a tunnel boring machine. But if we're very lucky, we might find that we could mine it, and then, then it's happy days. And you've mentioned before, and I'll probably end on this, um, that speed with the tunnel, it's, with the train itself, is, is important. Is, is speed also important as you kind of look to seize the opportunities kind of post-pandemic and get the ball rolling on this? Um, I think I think, we're in a, I think speed is important and it's part of momentum. Remember, we've had a lot of support from the private sector in, in sort of northwestern Europe. <coughs> and, you know, if you're going to have... You've only got one shot at talking to people and they'll, they'll say, like, are you serious about this or not? And unfortunately, if we don't have the support of governments, plural... We won't have any credibility and we've lost the opportunity and perhaps it'll take someone in 10 years' time to have another go at this. But I'm afraid it is inevitable that there will be a fixed link between Guernsey and Jersey just because the costs are coming down. The, the, the question actually isn't if it can be done. It's actually, I think, a question of when it can be done. And it, it's, there will be a, a window when we've got the resources to make it happen as GDP of Guernsey and Jersey put together. Or there'll be a point where actually perhaps we've not managed our economies We've allowed GDP to shrink. We've allowed the workforce to shrink. And then it won't be possible to financially support it, in which case you'll need the cost of tunnelling to come down quite a lot. And then it could be a, a long time till it can happen. So it's, I think it's inevitable there will be a tunnel, but there's things that might make it happen earlier, might, have, might make it happen later. But um, tunnelling's happening all the way around the world. There's much longer projects than this one. And uh, we need to be part of that story. We need to use it as an, an economic enabler. I mean, we think you'd probably get about 10%, 10% GDP growth a year um, for at least 10 years. And I don't know of any other economic plan on the table that will deliver that. And obviously, if we can go on to France, you can you can then start cranking that up beyond 10% per annum. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Martin. Thank you for coming to speak to us this morning. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for listening to the Better Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luna. If you enjoyed it, please like and share. You can find us online, on social, on email and internet radio. There'll be more from me, Aaron Carpenter, and the rest of the Bedwick Express news team next week.